Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 62 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is an honor and a privilege and a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that I'm able to share my knowledge with you guys. Thank you so much for listening, sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Now, this podcast is for everyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you are studying Islam, or if you uh, are thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you are already a Muslim who is interested to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. And with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic comes to us from one of our listeners by the name of Stacy. Stacy, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for reaching out and asking all your questions. Now, Stacy uh, just became a Muslim. She's a new convert, but um, she's she's been struggling with a lot of uh, things regarding Islam. There are a lot of things that are not clear uh, to her and they're causing some sort of confusion. And one of these things is, for example, hadith. So Stacy says that, um, th- why do we need hadith? You know, Quran should be our only source, right? Allah puts everything in the Quran, right? Like she said that the Quran states that it is perfectly written to guide us. So when it says to pray and prostrate, why do we have to do it the way of the Prophet? Why do we have to prostrate? And why do we have to pray? The same way that the Prophet ﷺ does. Why can't we just follow the Quran? Why do we have to follow two sources, right? And we mentioned before, you know, in uh, on this podcast that there are two sources of religion. We have Quran and we have the Sunnah, and the Hadith is part of the Sunnah. Now, for those of you who do not know what Hadith is, Hadith is the something or a statement that was uh, uh, made by the Prophet Sallallahu and that statement is, is called Hadith and we take it and we follow it if there is a command in it so if there is knowledge in it and that's it again like the Quran if there is knowledge for in it in the Quran there's a verse that contains knowledge and it doesn't contain a command then what we do is we uh, uh, take the knowledge uh, uh, for granted and if there's a command in it, then we follow the command. So the hadith is the same thing, right? Now she's asking, why do we have to, you know, follow the hadith and put it, uh, you know, on such a high level like the Quran, right? And uh, uh, also she's saying that, you know, uh, in the Quran, uh, it is said that we do not uh, favor one prophet over the other. So why does it feel like we're worshiping? Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu by mimicking and following everything he does, which is very true. Many Muslims mimic and follow every little move when it comes to worship, and actually when it comes to certain daily things like drinking water and in, 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 in three sips instead of just one, you know, uh, large sip, and a lot of things that we try to mimic the Prophet Sallallahu in. So doesn't that feel like we're kind of worshiping him, uh, and 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 that's not right. 
Of course, because you cannot worship a human being. That's the whole point on why Islam disagrees with uh, Christianity, right? That we cannot worship a man. We only worship one Lord, which is Allah, God, right? So she's saying that by doing everything, it feels like we're almost worshiping him. And you're saying that you cannot favor one prophet over the other. It seems like we're really so much in love with this prophet that, you know, it's, it's, it's just too much. We, we, we prefer him over every other prophet, number one, and it feels like we are worshiping him. Now, also, she has one of the, and another question she's saying, and it's all related to the same, you know, uh, same topic. She's uh, saying, why do we face the Qibla when we pray? It feels the same as the Christians with the cross. You know, she's saying that she wants to worship God. She wants to worship Allah directly with no symbols, no objects, no people in between. And that's why she strayed away from Christianity because there were, you know, priests in the middle. There were cross to, you know, worship and, and look at and hold all the time, you know. And so she's saying this is these things are kind of making her uh, a little bit confused, you know, and, and, and she thought this was only in Christianity, but apparently it's also in Islam. So she's asking, uh, you know, can you explain these things? Like, wh why do we have to do all that? And uh, Stacy, thank you so much for this, uh, in my opinion, very important question and very, very critical one. And uh, it's critical because we have to clarify uh, all the stuff that you misinterpreted, all the stuff that you misunderstood. Uh, inshallah, I will be able to clarify it for you today. And um, let me start by saying that, number one, Muslims do not worship men, no matter who they were or who they are. So we do not worship Prophet Muhammad وسلم, in any way, capacity, or any form. That doesn't happen. Some people, they excess in their love. Some people do. And it's sinful when it, you know, when it dictates certain things. When they do certain things in that excessive love, it becomes very sinful. Or it becomes disliked. You know, it becomes disliked. And, and disliked is something in Islam that we as Muslims do not want to do. And uh, that's not the majority, actually. What you're talking about here is the minority. Now, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, himself told us in an authentic hadith, that we cannot love him so much like Christians loved Jesus Christ. Meaning, you cannot love me to put me in a divine status, in a divine level. You cannot do that. This is forbidden. This is a major sin. This is called shirk. It's not. It's unforgivable, basically. And the Prophet ﷺ told us that. And he told us we cannot love him. He's just a man. I am just a man. I just happened that Allah chose me to give me the revelation so I can give it to you. But I'm just a man. So that's that. We do not worship. And I'll tell you why do we mimic, and many of us mimic the movements and, 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 and certain things that the Prophet ﷺ does. And it, that does not mean in any way, shape, or form that we are worshiping him. Now, the explanation that I just gave you right now on that we cannot love the Prophet ﷺ that much in, in an excessive way, in a way that uh, goes against our theology, in a way that goes against the monotheism, right? It came from a hadith. It came purely from a hadith. This is not mentioned in the Quran, right? Allah does not tell us, do not love Prophet Muhammad ﷺ so much like, you know, the Christians love Jesus. Yes, Allah tells us in the Quran that we 
cannot worship anything but him. But that explicit message to people who excess in their love towards the Prophet ﷺ came from a hadith. Now, the hadith is as important as the Qur'an. Don't believe me. Let's take a, a verse from the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, this is a verse, what I just quoted you right now, is a verse from the Qur'an. Chapter called Al-Hashr, verse number 7. Look it up. In that verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whatever the Prophet told you to do, you have to do, you have to follow. And whatever the Prophet told you not to do, you cannot follow. You cannot do it. It becomes forbidden upon you. This is specifically, you know, mentioned for the Prophet ﷺ. Now, another verse in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Obey Allah and obey his messenger. Now, if if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was talking about only the Quran, why would Allah says and obey his messenger? Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who came up with the Quran, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also telling us that we have to listen to the messenger. Obey the messenger. Now, hadith is not a made up thing by the Prophet Actually, hadith is inspired by Allah to the Prophet Now, Quran is inspired by Allah. Actually, Quran is more. Quran is delivered as is to the Prophet from Allah through Angel Jibreel to the Prophet And the Prophet took the words of Allah as is, as is, and put it in the Quran and you know eventually the Quran was compiled and we have all the verses in the Quran that came straight from Allah. Now the hadith is something that Allah also revealed to the Prophet It is also revealed by Allah. Do not uh, make the mistake of thinking that the hadith is something that the Prophet came up with or it's, it's that the own opinion of the Prophet without going back to Allah. No, no. Hadith is purely a revelation from Allah. The only difference is the wording was left to the Prophet How to say it was left to the Prophet You know, you know unlike the Quran, the Quran was said as it was revealed. As it was revealed. And having multiple sources in Islam is not a problem as long as they don't contradict each other. Right? They actually complete each other. Allah on purpose left things out of Quran and put it in the Hadith. Put it in the Sunnah. Why? So we can appreciate and respect the Prophet ﷺ the proper way. Because some people, some twisted minds might say, well, you know, if uh, 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 Prophet Muhammad did not come up with any, 
you know anything in terms of like rulings and and, and you know regulations in in, uh, in Islam. Uh, he's just a, a, a guy who delivered us something that came from Allah. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts him in that status of wording the revelation, you know, coming up with his own words, but the meaning, the ruling, the story, whatever he was saying came from Allah. It only came from Allah. By the way, prophets and messengers were not allowed to do anything, period, without taking permission from Allah. This is something that, unlike us regular human beings who are not prophets, who are not messengers, we could just do whatever we want, right? Whether it's right or wrong, we will be, you know, judged for it later and maybe judged for it in this life. But prophets and messengers cannot take one step without permission from Allah. What's the proof? Prophet Jonah, Prophet Yunus, alayhi salam. Prophet Yunus was, you know, uh, stayed in the stomach and the belly of the whale for three days, right? Making dua to Allah, asking Allah, Jonah, we know the story, right? But why did it happen? Why did Allah do this to him? Because he decided to leave and abandon his people. His people rejected the message. His people rejected Allah in every way possible. He got frustrated. He left town. He's like, those people don't need preaching. I'm just leaving. They, they, they just don't, will never listen. Without asking for Allah's permission. And because of that, Allah did what he did to him. You know, when they were on the ship and then there was, you know, they had to, you know, throw someone off the ship and then he ended up being eaten by the whale. This all happened just because Jonah did not ask for Allah's permission before he left that village or that town. No messenger nor a prophet can take one step without going back to Allah. Allah would not allow it. Allah says in the Quran, وَلَوْ تَقَوَّلَ عَلَيْنَا بَعْدَ الْأَقَاوِيلِ لَأَخَذْنَا مِنْهُ بِالْيَمِينِ ثُمَّ لَقَطَعْنَا مِنْهُ الْوَتِينِ Allah is saying basically if the prophet or any other prophet changed the message changed the message edited the message tried to modify what i sent them i will completely destroy them i will destroy them this is allah we're talking about allah wouldn't allow such a thing unless allah knows that this is coming from him and it's a revelation and he gave it the blessings and the permission so again Hadith is as important as the Quran because Hadith completes the Quran in certain ways. How? You mentioned in your email that when we pray, why don't we do it you know, according to the Quran? Why do we do it according to the Hadith? Right? Why do we do it as the Prophet ﷺ did it? Well, here's some news. Quran does not mention how to pray. How to pray? Never mentioned in the Quran. It's only mentioned in the hadith. It's only mentioned from the sunnah. Why? Did Allah forget to put this in the Quran? Absolutely not. Allah left it to the hadith to show you the importance of the hadith. It was done on purpose. Muslims must pay mandatory charity, which is called zakat. Zakat is 2.5% of whatever the money you have saved, meaning your savings, right? Your halal savings 
for uh, an entire year. So if you saved, you know, uh, whatever, $5,000 for a whole year, didn't touch it, right? You take 2.5% of that $5,000 and you pay it for uh, the, the poor. That number, 2.5%, that estimated number, is never mentioned in the Quran. Never mentioned in the Quran. Allah said you have to pay the zakah. Do you know how much the zakah, if you only read the Quran, do you know how much you have to pay? No, you will have no clue. Again, Allah left it to the hadith. Allah honored the hadith so much because it's coming from him. It's not coming from the Prophet Allah says in the Quran, وَمَا يَنْتِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَى Allah says, our, your Prophet, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, does not speak out of his own whims and desires and out of his own brain. It doesn't work like that. He speaks only from a wahy. Wahy in, in Arabic means revelation. Everything he says regarding the religion is a revelation, whether it's in the Quran or in the Hadith. You have to understand, this is a very critical point for everyone who thinks that the Hadith is something that the Prophet ﷺ, like, you know, just said. You know, it's coming from his mind. He came up with it. That's very, very incorrect. Hadith comes from Allah. Sunnah comes from Allah. The movements that we mimic, and I'll get to the mimicking part in a second, coming also from Allah. The Prophet ﷺ is not going to come up with certain, you know, uh, positions when he sits or certain ways when he does things on his own. It's stuff that was revealed to the Prophet to, to the Prophet that you know what? This is the best way to do things. And the Prophet did it. It's the best way to do things. The Prophet doesn't do anything randomly. Everything that he does, either it's a revelation or he's taking permission from Allah to do it. You know, we mentioned uh, uh, in, in, in the past, in, in a very recent episode, that the Prophet ﷺ could not emigrate from Mecca to Medina until he got the permission from Allah. He couldn't even leave. You know, he couldn't leave persecution. He couldn't leave torturing. Every He had to wait for Allah's permission to be given so he can actually travel. So, that shows you that everything comes from Allah. Or everything is permitted by Allah. So again, the hadith is as important as the Qur'an. You'll find things in the hadith that you will never find in the Qur'an. And again, go back to the Qur'an. Allah says, Whatever the Prophet told you to do, you have to follow. This is hadith right there. We're talking about hadith here. We're talking about the hadith because it's also coming from Allah. You have to follow whatever the Prophet ﷺ tells you to do. Because Why? Why do we have to do this? Well, because the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't do anything and say anything unless it's beneficial to us. He has no gain of just telling us, you know, to do random things. There's no gain. The Prophet ﷺ was not known to be a, a, a person who would waste his own time and his ummah's own time. Like he would not waste our time and his own time. There's no time for that. Everything he does, everything he tells us, it's beneficial to us, whether we know it or not. 
One of the companions came to the Prophet ﷺ and told him that his own brother was suffering from a disease in the stomach and it's very painful and he's worried for his brother. Then the Prophet ﷺ recommended him to get some honey and of course we're talking about raw honey and give it to his brother on the regular. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ referenced the Quran that honey cures people, especially those who have uh, stomach diseases, right? Cures people one way or another. So the Prophet ﷺ told him, who's referencing the Quran, فِيهِ شِفَاءٌ لِلَّاسِ There is cure for people in it. Now that doesn't mean it cures everything. It doesn't cure, cure like it doesn't cure stomach cancer or whatever. No, but for certain types of diseases, this uh, the honey or raw honey actually. Uh, uh, works and actually, you know, cures people. So the Prophet ﷺ told this companion, "Give your brother honey, raw honey." So the first day came, and then he given him, you know, the, the brother gave uh, uh, his his sick brother. He gave him uh, honey, and it, it gotten worse. His stomach gotten worse. Uh, diarrhea was really bad. It was really, really painful. And then he came a second day to the Prophet ﷺ and he told him, hey, it's been two days, O Prophet of Allah, O Messenger of Allah, and my brother is, has gotten worse. Is, do you have any other you know, cure that you would recommend? And the Prophet ﷺ, look at what he said. He said what? The stomach of your brother is lying and Allah is telling the truth. كَذَبَتْ بَطْنِي أَخِيكَ وَصَدَقَ Allah." The stomach of your brother is lying and Allah said the truth. What does that mean? That means that there is a cure. And if your stomach is not showing it now, it's lying. Of course, it's a metaphor that nothing that Allah says is untrue. That's like a metaphor. The Prophet didn't mean that the stomach actually lied. You know what I mean? The Prophet is showing us how strong his belief in Allah is. Your own stomach lied. Because Allah would never lie. Allah always says the truth. The third day comes in and the brother is completely healed. Why? Because the honey had to cleanse the stomach. Had to clean the stomach. And that cleaning process was painful and it caused a lot of diarrhea. And once the cleansing was over, the stomach went back to normal. And the brother came and thanked the Prophet wasallam, And, you know, that was that. Again, there is no contradiction between a hadith and the Quran. They complement one another. In this hadith about honey, the Prophet ﷺ referenced the Quran. Now, the hadith explains certain things in the Quran that the Quran itself does not explain. And Allah wanted us to look at the hadith, to look at the Prophet ﷺ when he explains those you know, verses to us. It's that simple. Hadith is critical in Islam as critical as the Quran. You know, that verse in the Quran talking about, you know, uh, waiting for the infidels, quote unquote, the infidels in the shadows and lurking for them and hiding and then attacking them whenever they, you know, they're, they're, they're least expecting and all these things, right? 
of course, Islamophobes and people, political figures and whatever, people who hate Islam globally, publicly use that verse to, to show people, hey, look, Islam is a religion of violence. Islam is a religion of violence. The, 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 their book is telling them to attack non-Muslims. Okay. In the Quran, that verse is, is just the verse is mentioned and that was it. Nothing else was mentioned regarding the verse. There was no explanation. Now, when you go to the Sunnah, when you go to the Hadith, you'll actually understand the context of that verse. And you'll know that that verse was saying that there was a treaty between the disbelievers and the Prophet ﷺ when he wanted to go back to his hometown to perform Hajj, right? And they had a, he had a treaty with the people that hey, there are four forbidden months. Now the four forbidden months are months that you're not as a Muslim, and actually as Arab at the time, even if you're not a Muslim, to fight in it. There's no battles taking place. It's 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 sacred months. Four, four sacred months, right? Al-Ashur uh, al-Hurum, four sacred months, or forbidden because certain things are forbidden in those months, such as wars and all these things. So the Prophet Sallallahu after the, 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 this treaty, this, 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 uh, this deal, told them that we'll give you four months. فَإِذًا سَلَخَ الْأَشْهُرُ الْحُرُمُ After the four months, after those four sacred months have passed, I'm going back to my hometown to perform Hajj, and you cannot stop me because, again, the Hajj is an Islamic uh, is an Islamic thing to do, right? And the people who are in control of the territory of the Hajj of Mecca of the Kaaba were non-Muslims, were disbelievers who uh, they were pagans and they were against Islam. So basically, the Muslims won't can't come and pray and do Hajj while the territory is under an uh, a, a, a pagan ruling. Right? They wouldn't allow them to do so. The Prophet ﷺ told them, I'll give you four months to leave peacefully. Or do whatever. You want to become Muslims? You can become Muslims. You want to leave? You can leave. You want to stay in peace? You can stay in peace and, you know, in certain areas because you cannot, we cannot you know, jeopardize uh, the safety of you know, our, our, our Muslims. There was a full treaty. And I'll give you four months to prepare yourselves, either to leave, to stay, to accept, to do whatever you want to do. But after the four months, if you are still there with your swords defying us, that means it's war. It's a battle going on. Because I gave you four months and I said, I don't want any harm to be done. So I'm going to give you four months, four full months to think about it. When it's done, it's a declared war. It's simple. If somebody's occupying your house and you tell them, I'll give you four months to leave. But if you don't leave, I'm going to use force. That's as noble as it gets. You're literally telling them what you're going to do after four months. This is the rules of engagement right there. The rules of engagement. For those who are using that, that verse to say, oh, Muslims are like hiding in the shadows. Because then Allah says, after this is done, after you warn them, now it's war. Use war tactics. Hide. This is like whatever the war tactics are in a battlefield. Attack them, do this and that. Ironically, after the actually what happened is, after the four months, people who didn't want to become Muslims left and people who actually were considering Islam and loved Islam afterwards and became famous companions, they accepted Islam and they surrendered. 
end, there was not a single drop of blood. It was a peaceful conquest, the conquest of Mecca. Nothing wrong happened there. Not a single fight took place. Again, for those who use the verse in the wrong way, out of context. Now, why people use this verse out of context? Because the hadith was not available and they did not look up the hadith to explain the verses. That's how important the hadith and the sunnah are. Incredibly important to explain such a thing. So now, again, there's so many more examples. I could sit down for hours giving you examples on how the hadith explains certain things, how the hadith completes the Quran in certain things, how the hadith tells you, sheds the light on certain parts in the Quran that the Quran left it up to hadith on purpose. It's not that the Quran is incomplete. There is no way that the Quran is incomplete, but the revelation of Islam itself is compiled in two sources, Quran and Sunnah. Sunnah is, the hadith is included in the sunnah. Now, the Prophet ﷺ said a very interesting hadith, and it's very, very, very critical. He said what? He said, وسلم, that the Jews, the Jewish people, were divided into 71 sects within you know, Judaism. And the Christians were divided into 72 sects. There's a lot of sects in Christianity, maybe sects that we didn't even hear of, right? And the Muslims will be, because he's, he's still alive at the time, he's saying that in the future, will be divided into 73 sects. Look at this. All of the 73 will be in hellfire except for one. So 72 out of the 73 will be in hellfire. Why? Because that one is the one that follows the sunnah and the hadith of the Prophet That's what he said. Whatever I'm upon and my companions were ashabi. So meaning you follow the sunnah of the Prophet and his companions. It's the same thing. Because once you follow something else or not follow anything at all, you're defying Allah because what did Allah say in the Quran again? You have to follow the Prophet. Allah is telling you this in the Quran. So when you choose not to, or to follow any different sect, or to follow any different method, you're defying Allah. And that's why you go to hellfire because you're directly defying Allah's command in the Quran. The best way, the only correct way to get to paradise is through both Quran and Sunnah. Together, combined. You cannot live alone with Quran. You can't. If you reject the Sunnah, you're rejecting the Prophet. And if you're rejecting the Prophet, guess what? What is the Shahada? What is the testimony of faith? Ashhadu anna la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. You're admitting that the Prophet of Allah, the final messenger, is Muhammad. Then you have to follow him if you believe in Allah. And the Quran because it's also mentioned in the Quran. It's that simple. I swear it's that simple. Right? Now comes to mimicking the Prophet ﷺ. Well, this is actually not mandatory in any way. This is not mandatory in any way. We're not worshipping the Prophet ﷺ. Again, we love him so much. And the fact that, yes, لا نفرق بين أحد من رسولي. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the chapter of Baqarah, 
that we do not differentiate between a prophet and another or between a messenger and another. They're all equal. We do not differentiate between them in the sight of Allah. Now, here's the thing. Equal in what manner? In believing in them. But love, we're allowed to love Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu more than we're allowed to love Jesus because Prophet Sallallahu was our Prophet. Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu gave us the message. So we're allowed to love him. We also have to love Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. We also have to love Prophet Moses, but we're allowed to love one more than the other. That's why we do not favor them when it comes to the revelation, believing in them. The core belief in a prophet and a messenger, we have to believe in all of them the same way. They were all sent by Allah. They were all sent with revelation. That's done. No one is better than the other when it comes to that. But as a character, even Allah has preferable prophets and messengers. We have the five ulil azm, the, the five mighty uh, uh, prophets. You know, the most famous prophets. Noah, Nuh. Moses, Abraham, Jesus Christ, and Prophet Muhammad These are actually the top prophets and messengers. The top. They're all messengers, by the way. The top messengers. You know? We are allowed to love one more than the other, but we are not allowed to not believe in any of them. We have to believe in all of them. We have to love all of them, but we are allowed to love our own Prophet more than others there's nothing wrong with that so that's the clarification of favoring and you know we have to not differentiate between them mimicking the prophet back to the mimicking part mimicking the prophet because you love him because you know that mimicking him is something that you want to do for the simple fact that he delivered us the message of islam allah will give you extra rewards now, mimicking him is not mandatory in any way, shape, or form. But when you mimic him because you love him, because you want to follow the sunnah, you get extra rewards. Now, that's why you see certain people doing certain things because they want to get that extra reward. They love the Prophet ﷺ so much, not excessively. For those who love the Prophet ﷺ excessively, this is unaccepted. The Prophet ﷺ himself said in a hadith, do not love me the way the Christians loved Jesus Christ. I'm not divine in any way. I'm not to be worshipped. I'm only a human being. I'm only a human who is being revealed to. Allah reveals things to me. That's all I am. Human being, the most blessed human being, but a human being. So Muslims, the majority of Muslims, the overwhelming majority of Muslims, they only mimic to get the extra rewards because they love the Prophet ﷺ so much. You don't want to mimic, do not do it. But I'm telling you, mimicking the Prophet ﷺ has nothing to do with worshipping him. You simply love that man because he delivered us Islam and because of what he's going to do in the future on the day of resurrection. For us. Because all the supplications he's been making for all the Muslims around the world, for Muslims to come. Like our generation, he made supplication for us too. He made dua to Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, would forgive us. And would allow us to enter Jannah. Even though we're, we're, like, there, there were people who are bad, they would spend some time, you know, in hellfire. But eventually they're going to go back to Jannah. 
ultimately going to paradise is a dua that was made by the Prophet ﷺ. A man who loved his nation without even seeing all of it. He didn't see us. He doesn't know what we look like. Yet, he was so worried about us. And he cared so much about us. And if you don't love that man, well, this is your own thing. But it's, it's just not the right thing to do. You need to learn more about him. You need to love him. Because again, he gave us our religion. Our right path. Allah gave it to us through him, but he suffered. He was persecuted. He took so much to deliver us the message. The least we could do is to love him. Now, mimicking him again is not mandatory in any way. But mimicking him also gives us extra bonus in the sight of Allah. When you love the Prophet wasallam, Allah will reward you for just that simple fact. So, that's one thing. Now, I hope I, I, I addressed the, 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 the Prophet, the Hadith, the mimicking and all these things. Now, let's go to the Qibla. Why do we have to follow a Qibla? Why? Why do we have to follow a certain direction when we pray? Why are we doing like the Christians, right? Well, it's really simple. When Allah tells you to worship Him, it has to be. It has to be according to Allah. How to worship Allah has to be according to Allah. You don't worship Allah in the heart and that's it. That's called laziness. Because if that's the case, everybody's going to be like, okay, I believe in Allah. I'm just going to sit home on my couch and just believe in Allah. I worship Him the, the way that I want to. No. You do not as a human being, as a Muslim, dictate how to worship Allah. Allah is the one who dictates how you worship Him. So that's why Allah created rules. Allah created rituals that we have to follow. These are not random things. These rituals are meaningful to Allah and that's the only way to get to Allah. When Allah tells you that you have to face the Qibla, to face the Kaaba, right? Because this is where all the prayers have to be looking at a one direction. Let me tell you this. Think about this. If you have 10 people in a room and they're all praying and each of them is facing a different direction, they're not following the Qibla, they're not facing the Qibla. That looks chaotic on itself. Look at it. Look at it. Like imagine the image now. Everyone is facing a different direction. Everyone, people are laying down. People are standing up. People are doing this. People are doing that. It's chaotic. There is no discipline. And Islam is all about discipline when it comes to worshiping Allah. Allah tells you how to be disciplined while worshiping Him. All of us looking at one direction. Very organized. It looks beautiful to the eye when you see at a massive amount of people you know, in Kaaba or in, in large mosques, praying all as one. As one person, they, you know, prostrate together. They kneel together. They face one direction. Islam is organizing us when it comes to worship. When it comes to worshiping Allah, Islam is telling us how to do it as one. Because at the end of the day, Allah wants us to be one nation, one ummah. Worshipping him. So he didn't leave us to our desires and our preference and our choices. That doesn't make sense. It'll become chaotic. You know? And Allah wouldn't allow you to be chaotic while worshipping him. You have to worship Allah on Allah's terms. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. 
You believe that Allah is your uh, is your God. You believe that Allah is the only God. Then you have to follow what Allah tells you to do. You have to do it on Allah. You do not dictate how to worship Allah. Again, it's laziness and it's arrogant as well. It's arrogant to say, you know what? Um, um, I don't want to do this. Allah is telling me how to worship him, but no. Thank you. I don't want to do it. I'll do my own thing. That's arrogance. That's arrogance. And Allah does not tolerate arrogance when it comes to the religion. If you think you're better than this, than following the herd, oh boy, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. Allah hates arrogance, by the way. Hates arrogance. So yeah, following the Qibla, praying in a certain way, praying certain rakahs a day, praying certain times a day. This is all, you have to follow the rituals. Making wudu a certain way. Again, it will be chaotic. People will go take a shower. Someone might just, you know, wipe their faces with, you know, uh, some water. And everybody will do their own thing. And Islam is not like that. You can't do your own thing. You can't. Allah is, you, you are following Allah's manual. Following the Quran and the Sunnah and the Hadith. Then you have to follow what's in them. It's written in them that you have to follow it in a specific way. You know? Fasting, for example. Imagine this. Imagine the Muslims, when they fast, when the month of Ramadan comes, everyone eats whenever they want. Oh, I'll fast for only two hours. I'll fast for one hour. You know what? I'll fast until, you know, Dhuhr time, noon prayers. It will be chaotic. You won't have the sense of unity when you're committing the acts of worship. You won't have it. And Allah wants us to feel the sense of unity. You know, in Ramadan, right now when we eat, when we drink, we know that we eat at the same time and we stop eating at the same time. There's a sense of unity between Muslims. You know, this is really critical. You have to follow the rituals of Allah. There is no, you know, getting around it. You want to worship Allah because if you don't want to worship Allah, this is a different situation. This is something else. But if you want to worship Allah, then you have to worship Allah according to Allah's rules, not ours. So yes, worshiping Allah requires following rituals, requires following the Prophet ﷺ and his methods and his ways. Again, certain things are mandatory that the Prophet ﷺ does and certain things are completely, completely optional. Islam doesn't tell you that you need to go confess your sins, for example, to an imam or like a priest. Islam doesn't tell you to do that because there's no need. Allah can hear everything. You can confess to Allah directly. That's one of the differences between Islam and Christianity. Islam tells you you cannot worship any man. Prophet Muhammad is not divine in any way. You are allowed to love him as much as you want, but not allowed to excess in that love. You know, you are you have to follow certain rituals when it comes to worshiping Allah, but you cannot do any unnecessary stuff like exposing your sins to some other people. There's no intermediary between you and Allah, but there are rituals to be followed. Even angels, by the way, they have their own rituals in, in worshiping Allah. Even angels, they're different from our rituals, but they have their own rituals. They actually do their own Hajj. In the Bayt al-Ma'mur, up there, in the heavens. 
They do it. 70,000 angels. They actually perform Hajj and never come back. They do it once in a lifetime for, for the angels, for them. Also, that shows you that massive numbers of, of angels that Allah has created. Imagine 70,000. They, they do tawaf, they do Hajj every single day and they leave. Imagine how many 70,000 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created. Again, it's just Allah is the one who puts the rules, not us. Because if it's up to us, we're going to be very chaotic. We're going to be very chaotic. We're not going to be able to do it. Trust me. When we dictate how to worship Allah, this is when you know we, we take a dangerous path. You want to worship Allah the right way, the way that will make you, inshallah, go to Jannah, to paradise? You do it Allah's way. You follow Allah's manual on how to worship Him. You don't follow your own. We do not have the knowledge nor the wisdom enough to come up with our own rituals in worshiping Allah or to say we don't need rituals at all. You know, Islam is a very logical religion. Rituals are part of how you show Allah that you're willing to do the work. Because I could easily sit down and say, well, I love Allah and I, and I, and I believe in Him and His, His Messenger. All right, that's it. I have the belief in my heart. We're good. That's not how you believe in Allah. The belief starts in the heart, but it shows any actions too. How would you show any actions when you don't know exactly what to do? Well, you go back to Allah and you see the rituals facing the Qibla. Praying five times a day. Looking at the Sunnah, how to pray five times a day. How to do wudu. How to do this, how to do that. It's all mentioned in the two sources of Islam. Quran and Sunnah. Now, I hope that I answered uh, your questions, Stacy. I know, again, for, for people who don't have the knowledge yet, it could be confusing, but I, I, I promise you, it's very logical. There's nothing confusing about it. It makes perfect sense, right? So um, I hope that uh, I was able to add to your knowledge today, and I hope that uh, we all learned something today, and I hope that uh, uh, you know I was able to answer your questions. And if you have any more questions, please, you know how to uh, reach me. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.